Welcome to Unity of Fairfax, a positive path for spiritual living and spiritual center for education, practice, and service in Northern Virginia. We hope you find inspiration in this week's message. So we can choose to be have joy in our day, or we can choose to get stressed out and upset by it all. You know, we are so fortunate to have the technology we have. We are so fortunate to live where we live. We are so fortunate for most of us that the biggest problems we deal with are what we call first world problems uh, that have to do with technology and things. And it reminds us of how important it is to understand how life is for people all around the world and in our own area who may not be as fortunate as we are. There is a tremendous responsibility given to those to whom much has been given, as the scriptures say, much is expected, which is really what is the premise behind my message today. You don't count if you're not counted. We'll get to that in just a moment. But first and foremost, I do want to acknowledge we are getting close to the summer solstice, the longest day of the year, and incidentally is sometimes referred to as midsummer. And I always wondered why, because if that's the first day of summer, how is it also midsummer? Well, depending on how you look at it, the the zenith point of the sun would be the middle of the summer season. So that kind of makes sense. Human beings from time immemorial have found connections to the symbol of light, whether it is sunlight, when you think about the pyramids of Giza or Stonehenge, or think about the significance of lighting a candle. For light is a symbol to us of understanding, of illumination, of the capacity to know and make meaning. And so it is natural, I think, that we have this desire and this need to connect with light and find value and purpose in it. So when we are approaching the summer solstice, to me, it raises the question, on what are we shining the light of divine understanding? Well, there's an infinite number of things on which we can shine the light, right? We can shine the light on ourselves, that we understand ourselves more fully and completely. We could understand how the world works so that we might be co-creators of a world that works for everyone. Or we might not understand the spiritual principles that guide the world. So many things to understand. Well, today, what I would like to highlight is something that was central to the Unity Convention uh, that I just attended and from which I brought back a little souvenir uh, that will take me to the doctor's office tomorrow. And that is diversity, equity, and inclusion. These are key ideas that we think about as we approach the Juneteenth holiday. So we are celebrating Juneteenth today. Little brief history, Juneteenth is that day, June 19th, 1865, when individuals in Texas who were enslaved were informed that no, as a matter of fact, the Emancipation Proclamation had been signed two years earlier, granting them their freedom. Well, Juneteenth therefore became a celebration and an acknowledgement, not just for the celebration of freedom for formerly enslaved individuals, but we can use that as an impetus to free ourselves, all of us, white, black, regardless of race, from the ideas 
that we might be holding that would keep another person down, keep them from shining their light, uh, keep them from accelerating the demonstration of Christ's consciousness in them. Juneteenth tells us to look at the world all around us and ask the questions, does everybody have the same rights and freedoms? Now, you might think, well, how is that a spiritual question? Well, it is essentially a spiritual question because in unity, as we saw in our Zoomies today, first principle, nature of God is altogether good. Second principle, that divinity is within us. It is the truth of who we are. Third principle, we create our experience from thoughts and feelings we hold. Fourth principle, prayer meditation keep us connected to divinity. Fifth principle, we must live the truth we know. So if we know that every single person is endowed with divine worth and value, and we see systems in our world that preclude those individuals or certain individuals from living the fullness of their being, then our spiritual principles say we cannot have a world of peace, abundance, and respect for all creation as long as there are barriers in place. Now, this is really difficult work for a lot of folks. It's really difficult to assess whether or not I individually might be holding ideas that somebody else is less than or some group is less than. It might be difficult for people to realize that they or I, like a white guy, benefit from systems that keep others uh, from having full and equal access, unfettered access to the rights and privileges that I do. So in one of my workshops, we talked about this idea of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and there were two additional parts of that equation. One, accessibility. So we want to make sure that in our churches and centers and in our world that we are accounting for the fact that there are some individuals who may not be able to hear or see who might have mobility issues. How can we ensure that those individuals, for example, have access to the same resources that those of us who are sighted and without mobility issues and can hear so that they are included, so that they have access to the good that is all around us? Because there is no shortage of good in the world. And a second point was diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. The general and real lived experience I belong. I'm welcome. And belonging is very interesting because there are two parts of that. As an individual, I have to be willing to trust that a system or situation or a place in which I find myself feels safe, where I can be vulnerable and feel welcome. And yet that same system, that same organization must also be extending the hand of friendship and inclusion, excuse me, so that I would want to open myself up. We've had some challenging times, as you might be aware, in in our country, but I will around this idea of diversity, equity, and inclusion. But I also want you to be aware that it's not just us. This is humanity, because we are talking about consciousness. We are talking about just how human beings sort and uh, separate themselves into group A, group B, who has power, who has money, who doesn't have power, who doesn't have money, that sort of thing, and who has understanding. 
I remember many, many years ago, we had a friend from Malaysia who was ethnic Chinese. And he was telling us about how unfair the culture was, how Chinese people had extra taxes and how Chinese people could not do certain things because they were not in the uh, power elite group or in the main conscious, the main leadership group. And I thought to myself, wow, that sounds like what we often hear in our country when we look at the role of who has superiority or what we call and what unity now calls social privilege who's at the top of the heap. And then I was thinking about times when I've heard about how that situation replicates in other countries with other ethnicities. There's always a group that's got to be on top and another one that uh, gets gets to be suppressed in some way, shape, or form, and sometimes more than just one. So what do we do about that? What do we do when we realize there are inequities in consciousness in our individual minds or in our collective world in which we live. Well, I heard uh, about the three Ds. Uh, the, the three Ds. Deflect, deny, and defend. Quite often when confronted with very difficult information, often about ourselves, trust me, I've been confronted with difficult information about myself, there's a tendency to want to deflect. In other words, change the subject. Uh, Let's talk about anything other than that. Let's not talk about the fact that uh, some people have easier access to services than others. Or let's just deny that there's a problem. Let's just act like it doesn't exist. Oh, you know, everybody is free and equal in this country or in our church or at our school. We don't have any issues where somebody doesn't feel included. We're just going to deny the problem. Or we simply defend. And in many instances, we will simply say, well, this is the way it's supposed to be. This is the way it is. And often when we are defending a situation, defending a mindset, defending a consciousness, it's often because we are part of the group that is the direct beneficiary of that experience. So I remember also many, many years ago, uh, it was new to Unity, and we had gone up to a church uh, in the western part of North Carolina. The minister there was this wonderful curmudgeon just the most wise curmudgeonly person you could ever hope to meet. And I went into the bookstore at that church and they had some great bumper stickers, you know, bumper sticker spirituality. And there was one that really caught my eye and I'm going to share it with you. There's one word you might want to close your ears, but they sold it in a church. So it can't be too bad. And the bumper sticker had a reference to that beautiful line in John 8, 32. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. I love that. But then it said, dot, dot, dot. But first, it will piss you off. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, they're selling that in a church? Well, sure. Often when we are confronted with the truth about ourselves or about our world, we don't want to deal with it. Because it might mean that we have to change something about ourselves. And I want to tell you about an experience I had of that just this morning in the metaphysical group. I didn't see it coming. I totally did not see it coming. Um, We are, as you know, I hope you know, doing a study on the Gospel of Thomas. 
which is found in Nagamati, Egypt in 1945. Uh, it was known to scholars because ancient writings made reference to it, but that was the first time it had been found. Anyway, we're in class. And I was sharing with the students in the class uh, a little bit about the history of Galilee, which is where Jesus was from, where he grew up, and reading a history about Galilee. And what I had always been taught was that Galilee was this kind of this backwater place, didn't have any major cities in it, um, not particularly important. Uh, and uh, attitude I had learned uh, or been taught or read, somehow adopted, I'm just going to own it, was that the people from Galilee, like Jesus, uh, were kind of backwater, simple, rural people, easy to put a, a judgment on. Uh, because there wasn't a big city there. There wasn't a big city of learning uh, in that immediate proximity. There were some not too far away, but not, not Galilee per se. And I realized that I had adopted this belief that, yeah, there, there must be like simpletons, uh, no elitism there. But as I was doing my research for the class, I came across a description of the area in which it described that historically, Galilee, where Jesus lived and taught and ministered, was a place of tremendous mixing of cultures. Where there were Greeks and Romans and Samaritans and Jews and people from all over the world walked through uh, and uh, left a mark and mixed and mingled and uh, apparently got along well because there's not really any real records of significant battles going on there. And then it occurred to me, wait a minute, Jesus came from that environment. Jesus taught the beloved community. One of the things I love about the Jesus teachings is, as we often say, he was the great example, not the great exception. Jesus' ministry consistently showed him doing healing work and prayer work pretty much anyone and everyone, perhaps this simpleton from the simple backwoods place had tremendous wisdom to offer. We're still talking about him today. And it occurred to me, my goodness gracious, the truth is setting me free, but it's pissing me off because I realized how easy it was for me to unthinkingly adopt a point of view that may not be accurate. Well, maybe it is accurate. But what I wanted to um, discover myself then was based on this really reading of history. Have I done the same thing, held an attitude or belief about other people that I really didn't give a whole lot of thought to? I just picked it up. I talked a few weeks ago about that uh, Pharisee consciousness, that uncritical thinking and following. But just because one person said it, I believed it, and that settles it, is not actually accurate. Wow. Which brings me back to this idea of Juneteenth. Juneteenth, in which we have this significant segment of our population that had been enslaved and was now free. I remember some words 
related to this from Lincoln's Gettysburg Address that was delivered in November 1863. If you haven't been to Gettysburg, for all, by all means, please go. Those of us here in Northern Virginia, Maryland district area, it's very close. It is well worth the visit. It is an important place for all Americans to see because we see what happens when the nation becomes divided. Then we see what can happen and why it is of utter imperative that we find a way to work together for our common goals of a life where everybody has equal uh, opportunities to grow and thrive. So in the Gettysburg Address, Lincoln started out by saying, um, oh, <laughs> let me just put him aside. Lincoln was not the, the keynote speaker. The keynote speaker spoke for two hours and hardly anybody remembers who he was. He was actually dean from Harvard University. Lincoln spoke for about two minutes. And so what he said was that um, four score and seven years ago, our founding fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. This line, all men are created equal, was lifted directly off the Declaration of Independence, which says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. So, obviously, there has been some forward movement in getting us to that point of equality and equity and inclusion. And the work continues. And therefore, it is significant for us to shine the light on this notion. Our social justice team and I met, and we have been in discussion about what are the best ways that we can co-create a world that works for everyone. And where we landed was the right to vote. So I'm very excited today that we have guests from the League of Women Voters doing a nonpartisan, nonpartisan, everybody's included, voter registration drive. When everyone or when an individual has the right to vote protected, then they can speak for themselves. They can be engaged in the policies and the practices that make the decisions that impact us all. A world that works for everyone, as we often talk about in unity, requires that everyone have unfettered access to the ballot. That's not political to me. That's spiritual. This is the intersection of spirituality and civic engagement. So regardless of how, you're, how you choose to vote, it is imperative that your right to vote be protected and enshrined at all costs. Because as one of the members of our team said, you don't count if you're not counted. Everyone counts. Every single person is an individualized expression of the creative magnificence that God is. And it is important that we support individuals in knowing the truth about who they are as we do through our teachings and being able to engage in the creation of a world that works for everyone. So that's what I wanted to share with you about. And I'd just like to close with some words that Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians. 
But God has put the whole body together so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part honored is honored, every part rejoices with it. So let us rejoice in how far we've come and let us continue to move forward in the creation of this wonderful life that we share, a life where everyone matters and a life that we can say to our grandchildren and their grandchildren, we were co-creators of this amazing experience because we know we could be better and we worked to make the world a better place. Peace be with you and namaste. Thank you for tuning into Unity of Fairfax podcast. You're welcome to join us live in Oakton, Virginia, every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Or view our live stream services from our website at unityoffairfax.org. We appreciate our donations to support this podcast to make our message of positive, practical spirituality more accessible to all. See you next time.